Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Here we want you to experience the grace of God. So through this sermon, we hope to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about New Life, please visit our website at newlifeonline.org. Here's today's message. So we are beginning a new series this morning called Supporting Cast. So if you kind of know Hollywood and you know uh, movies or stories or whatever, there's often within a movie or a story supporting characters. Like people who, who are part of the story, part of the plot, help move it forward in some way, but they're not the main focus. Like our, the protagonist or the antagonist, like the main characters that we're tracing along in the story, there's a lot of people around them. That's what a supporting cast is, a supporting character. They, they contribute, but they're often in a minor kind of way. However, if you think of some movies or shows or whatever, you can think of some great supporting characters. Like some that just stick out to you. Like, I don't, I don't know if you like, have a favorite show or, or some of these that, that come to mind, but like I, if you're a Star Wars fan, Boba Fett, right? Like he is one of those like key supporting characters. Like the first couple of movies, he's like such a minor role, but man, he's awesome. And it's then in the prequels, they kind of expand him. So like that's an example. Or maybe like The Office, if you're an Office fan, Creed. Like, any time that guy does an interview, like, you're just like, who is this man? Like, it is so fascinating. So, like, who are these, who are these supporting characters? Maybe from Frozen, Oaken, the guy who owns that shop in the middle of nowhere, right? Like, he's just a fascinating little character. Or maybe Peter Pan, Nana, the dog in Peter Pan. Like, oh, Nana is just such a great character, I don't know what the story is for you. Like, if you think of some of your favorite movies, favorite shows, like, there's these supporting characters. They help contribute in some way. Some are are awesome and they're memorable. Some are are fading from memory. We're beginning a new series where we are going to look at some of the supporting characters in the Bible. Now, most of these you may not have spent much time with. Maybe these are characters you're kind of familiar with or maybe you've never heard of them, but you're looking at it and you're like, okay, like, I, I think I know about this person, but what is, what is this story or what does this person show me about who they are, about the story itself, how does it advance the plot, or really about God? The key idea that we want to drive home in this entire series is this. We're going to be looking at ordinary people who have an extraordinary God. We're going to see ordinary people just like you and me, but they have an extraordinary God. And that's the goal of this series, is we want to see the character of God. We want to learn more about him and about who we are in light of who he is. And so that's our goal. So today, we're going to be looking at the character of Barnabas. Barnabas. Now, maybe you're familiar with Barnabas. He's a New Testament guy. He kind of happens with the, the birth of the early church. And so this guy is actually really pivotal to the story. So maybe you've studied him, but maybe you haven't. But one of the things you're going to learn very quickly is like Barnabas is like, he's the primo example. He is a good guy. If we want to learn from somebody, like Barnabas rises to the top of the list pretty quick as somebody we're like, yeah, I want to be like him. You're going to see that he's a good guy. He's got a great background. The way he contributes to the story is incredible. And it's like, I had this thought when I was studying him and kind of looking at this, like, I really relate to this guy because I think he's kind of like the, the good churchgoer. Like if you grew up going to church, you grew up in a family that was a, an important thing and they instilled in, in important values to you, like you kind of look at him and say, yeah, that, that's him. He's just a good guy. 
as you study his story, you're like, okay, so if he's such a good guy, like he's kind of the equivalent of the churchgoer or whatever, why is that a bad thing? Like, and does that rise up in you? Because it did for me. It's immediately like, what am I going to learn that's going to make me go like, oh, is there, is there a misstep in here? Is there something that he does that it's kind of like, oh, man, there is. And we're going to look at his story, and we're going to see who this really good guy is, but feel that tension when he maybe falls short. So I want to grab one verse that summarizes his life, who he is, and all that stuff. This is Luke in the book of Acts. He gives us this description of Barnabas. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Man, I want somebody to say that about me. Like, this is Luke's summary statement of who Barnabas is. He's a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. But what we're going to see is he's going to fall a little bit short. And so we're going to trace his story. We're going to see how this plays out. So I invite you, if you would, turn to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. So New Testament, you've got the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then the book of Acts. It's kind of what happens after Jesus is raised and then ascends and he leaves the earth. How does the church start? That is the book of Acts. That's the story of Acts. And so I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 4. We're going to look at the story of Barnabas and kind of trace it through. We will be turning a lot, just to warn you. So if you want to follow him, that's great. But if you're like, okay, that's going to be too much for me, we've got the words on the screen. We'll do our best to kind of keep track of, of the story of Barnabas as it plays out. And again, he's a minor character. He shows up a lot, but it's often in the background. So we're going to see what this is all about. So in uh, Acts chapter 4, a little context here, we're kind of getting a description of the early church and what they're like. So beginning at verse 32, here's how Luke describes the early church. Now all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, they, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money and, from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. So pause there real quick. Like, Whoa, what a cool picture this is of the community. Like anybody who's got needs, like they, they've got material needs that they have, like they're selling their possessions for one another and giving generously. Like that's, that's the kind of environment that the church is operating in. That's a really cool picture. So let's keep reading and we get to meet Barnabas. Verse 36, Joseph a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So right out of the gates, first of all, his name's not Barnabas. His name is Joseph. And what you'll see is that he's a Levite. He's, he's a Jew. He's from the tribe of Levite. That's his descent. And, and being a Levite in the Old Testament would have set him apart for the priesthood. 
Now, in Second Temple and kind of at the time of, of Jesus, there was a lot of change with all that, all that operated. So, like, he's a Levite who lives in Cyprus. He doesn't live in, in Judea, in Jerusalem, but he, he lives on an island in the Mediterranean. And so he's not living in Jew, Jerusalem proper. He's not, like, really close to the temple, but he's a Levite. And that often meant, like, good, God-fearing Jew. Like, he, he was a good boy. He did what was asked of him. He kind of followed the rules and like, this, this is who he is. Yet, he's given the name Barnabas. And, and Luke interprets that for us. Son of encouragement. I think this is because like, this is who this guy is. Like, he's an encouraging kind of guy. Like, I imagine if you're around him, like, you're just feeling, oh, like, so much positivity, optimism. Like, he's speaking affirmation to you. Like, you just walk out like, man, I'm so glad I spent some time with Barnabas. Like, he's encouraging. That's who he is. But even more than that, that picture that was just painted, like this is the way the church operated, Barnabas is the example. He's the guy that's actually doing it. He took some property, sold it, and he brought the money. And he says, give this to whoever needs it. He's a good man. He's generous. Like, this is his character. This is, this is his person. Like, this is who he is. Like, Barnabas, whoa. He, he's a generous kind of guy. I want to jump now to Acts chapter 9. I want to keep, like, painting this picture of who he is, his character. So Acts chapter 9, if you want to flip with me, that's great. But Acts chapter 9, we get the story of the conversion of Paul. He was first called Saul, and, and what happens is this guy, Saul, is killing Christians. He's like, they're, they're polluting the Jewish religion. Like, we got to take care of them. He's arresting them. He's putting them in prison, and he's killing them. And then he meets Jesus, and everything changes. And he's transformed, and he's, he's a completely different person. And so we see, like, Paul has changed. Now, he's still called Saul at this time, but he's completely changed. So what happens is, is he's, he's now trying to learn and grow, and he goes to Jerusalem. Now remember who he is in his background. Pick up at verse 26 in chapter 9. When he, Paul, Saul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the di- disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. Now remember, he's killing Christians, and he shows up at their door. What? No, 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 no. you don't get to come in here. They didn't believe that he had, he had changed. Verse 27, but Barnabas took him and brought him before the apostles. And he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and how the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of of the Lord. So we've got Saul, he's the killer of, of Christians who transforms and change, and nobody believes him except Barnabas, who stands up for him. He brings him in, and he's like, I'm vouching for this guy. You can trust him. And they do. Like right here, Barnabas, the guy who's generous, who's an encourager, now who stands up for people. This is Barnabas. And imagine if Barnabas hadn't done that. If he hadn't done that at all, Saul would have been like, yeah, we're not so sure. Like, there wouldn't have been trust formed in the same way. 
things wouldn't be quite what they were for him and for us. So what we see here is Barnabas, to come back to our verse, he's a good man. He's a good man. Like, this is what Luke is trying to tell us. Like, his character, he is a good man, and he has high character. This is the picture that Luke is painting for us. This is a good guy. Like, look to him. Like, he's an example. We can learn from him. Look at what he does. This is Barnabas. That's his character. That's who he is. Let's see what he does. So now jump with me to Acts chapter 11. This is where our, ver- our primary verse comes from, but Acts chapter 11. What we see here is now a shift has been taking place. With the church, it primarily started in Jerusalem, kind of went out from there, but now suddenly we're seeing Gentiles come to faith. And that's what's happening in chapter 11. We, we start to hear reports of, of, of Gentiles coming to trust Jesus, and they're connecting with the Jews, and now people are kind of like, wait, what's going on here? And so what we get is verse 22. Turn my page here. Verse 22, news had reached. And so here's where we're going to follow. News had reached of this had reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad, and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. So we see Gentiles. They're starting to come to faith. And what does the Jerusalem church do? We need to send somebody. Who do we trust? Barnabas. We trust Barnabas. You go. Go see what's going on. And he does. He goes to the church, and he's like, hey, I see what God's been doing here. Let me encourage you. Let me teach you. Let me build you up. And what happens? More people come to faith. Like, Barnabas is the guy who's, like, stepping in and, like, bringing more fruit. Like, yeah, this is a good guy. What a cool story. Like, look at what he's doing. He is a leader in the church. He's a leader and a builder. Like, we can look to him. How cool is this? So far, we're seeing this picture of Barnabas like, yeah, this guy. I mean, he's an example. We want to look to him, right? Turn to Acts 13, if you would. Flip the page. Some things start to shift. Gets a little more difficult with all these Gentiles now coming to faith. And so what we get in, in chapter 13 is this. So in verse 2, when they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. What is happening here is like, there's more work to be done. And so the church, they're praying, and they said, we sense the Lord saying like, send for me a couple of people, and it's going to be Barnabas and Saul. And it's the Holy Spirit who raises him up and said, here, I want him to go. I want you to send him to these new churches. I want to take them to new places. I want the gospel to go through them. And the church, they discern from the Holy Spirit, it's to be Barnabas and Saul. And so they send them. This guy, this guy is a leader. He's a builder of the church. So back to our our. Our key verse here, he is a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, full 
of faith. Full of faith. He has been called to carry out the gospel. And he's faithful to that call. What we see is that Barnabas is the kind of guy who's got good character. He's a good man. He does right by people. He loves them well. He encourages. But not only that, he's called and he's faithful to that call. He is full of faith. So far, we're seeing this picture of Barnabas who's like, man, this guy is rock solid. Like, and he is a leader and pioneer in the church. Notice that up till this point, it's been Barnabas and Saul. And Paul hasn't had his name changed just quite yet, but we get that real soon. And so he'll go by Paul. But right here, it's Barnabas who's really leading the way. And he goes with Paul on this missionary journey. He's beginning to take the gospel to new places, to the Gentiles, to new people. And it's because of him. Paul was mentored by Barnabas. And we, we, we know Paul, that name's probably familiar to you. He's the one who like really was the guy who built the New Testament church, right? Like he's taken to the ends of the earth. But Barnabas was right there with him. And without Barnabas' mentorship, without his leadership, like I don't know if quite would have been like this. The Holy Spirit used Barnabas because he was faithful. And he was faithful to this call. So if he's a good man, he's full of faith, like, Man, what, what else, like, why should we not doubt this? Like, this is looking really good. Turn to Acts chapter 15. And let's take a look at now this third element of his legacy. Acts chapter 15. So Acts 15, now, like, there's all these Gentiles who've been coming to faith. There's been some questions that are emerging. And what happens is we get some people who show up in Antioch. And they're going to stir the pot a little bit. So, so 15 verses 1 and 2. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. So now there's a little bit of controversy. There's some people who grew up in Jerusalem who became believers but have said like, I don't know, the Old Testament law, we still have to follow that. And so they go to Antioch and they say, if you're not following Moses, you're not saved. You're not saved. Paul and Barnabas, they realize like this is not accurate. This is not the gospel. This is not what Jesus came to do. And they stand up and say, no, 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 no. That's not how this goes. This is what the gospel is all about. It's about grace. It's not about earning. It's not about measuring up. It's about grace. It's about receiving. It's about what Christ did for us. And there's debate that's broken out. Because it's not about doing the law, but it's about grace. And even more than that, these Jews who come in and say, you've got to keep the law, you've got to be like us. No, 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 we're not excluding people based on who they are or their ethnicity. No, 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 if they trust Jesus, they're allowed in, and we're not going to exclude them because of that. This, this is exactly what we needed right here 2,000 years later. 
I don't know that anybody's Jewish sitting in the room right now. We're all Gentiles. If this hadn't happened, if this debate had not arisen, we would not be sitting here. We would not be the beneficiaries of the gospel if Barnabas hadn't played his role. I want to show you how pivotal this is. Like, if Barnabas weren't on the scene, you would take that piece out. We would not be here. That's Barnabas. And so he and Paul, what do they do? They go to Jerusalem. And there's, there's conversation. And, and there's, there, what, do we, what do we need to do about this? And we got to ask this question. And they explore. And Peter gets up, and he's sharing and talking. And then what happens, verse 12 in chapter 15? The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul, telling the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. I mean, Peter gets up and he teaches like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then everybody just listens to Barnabas. This is what God has done. This is what I have seen with my own eyes. This is what I have participated in. This is the work of God. And eventually James will get up. He's leading the church and he says, here's the conclusion. We've debated about this. We do not have to follow the law of the Old Testament. No circumcision, it's not like that. We just want to live the law of Jesus, which is love. Be generous to the poor. Do what the church has already been doing. Thanks to Barnabas, Paul, Peter, a few others, now we are the recipients of the gospel because the gospel goes unhindered out from Jerusalem because of their work. So like right now, we have so much to say thank you to Barnabas for. Like, I mean, goodness, like, look at what he's done. Look at how he's, like, enabled us to participate in the faith. So, so far, we haven't really seen any blemishes. Like, where is, where is this misstep? Where is this mistake that Barnabas makes? Look down at verse 36 in chapter 15. So after all this is kind of settled, they send them back to Antioch. They got a letter. It's like, here's what we're doing. And now we get this. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit the believers in the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, who's also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp dis disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. Uh-oh. Is this it? Is this where, like, we kind of get, oh, here's our good old boy, kind of falling short. Because what's happened here is John Mark, who'd been a believer and he'd been kind of working with them, he, he deserted them. He left. He, I'm not sure what happened. We don't get all the details. But, like, he was just motivated to leave, and he did. And that bothered Paul. And they're about to leave on another journey, and, and he's like, I can't take him with me. Barnabas is like, no, 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 give him another chance, give him another chance. No, 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 can't do that. And they disagreed. Now, one thing we pick up in one of the epistles, there's a comment that Mark is the cousin of Barnabas. Now, the word cousin could literally mean biological cousin, or it could mean just like a close relationship. We're not 100% sure, but let's assume that they are related. Was Barnabas just sticking up for his family member? when he shouldn't have? Or was he kind of saying, like, ah, no, let's go easy on him. Like, he's my cousin. Come on, come on, come on. 
And Paul's like, no, we can't risk the gospel. Is, the, is this what we're looking at here? Like, the, it, it, did Barnabas, like, make a wrong choice? Second Timothy, Paul's writing to his young apprentice, Timothy. He's about ready to die. He's near the end of his life. And he writes these words about Mark. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Oh, here it is. Paul, looking back, saying, no, 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 Mark, he's actually helpful. Would you bring him to me? I want him to help me in my ministry. Ooh, look at that. Barnabas coming through. Like, he's the guy that kind of said, no, 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 stick with Mark. And sure enough, Mark comes through. And Paul looks back and, and seemingly turns from where it was. Now, it doesn't mean he shouldn't have done what he did, but like right here, we see he's changed his mind about Mark. And so Barnabas, man, has come out once again. He's unscathed. Like he is our, our good guy that we can look to and trust. Barnabas. There's a story that Paul talks about that's not recorded in the book of Acts. I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Back to our key idea of what was playing out with this whole Jerusalem council thing. Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. Paul narrates a story that happened in Antioch about when Peter and some others came to visit. So Peter or Cephas, that's another name. So when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. So Peter's there visiting. He's, he's hanging out with the Gentiles. We're all connected in the, in the community together. But then when some Jews show up, here's what happens. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypo hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Here it is. Here's his fall. Here's his misstep. Here's where he messes up. So Peter's in town. He's eating with the Gentiles. But then the Jews show up, and they, they all get afraid. They want to fit in. And so what do they do? They separate. They go back to the old habits, the old patterns, and even Barnabas is led astray. Now, even just notice how quick that little mention is. Like, Barnabas is there, and, and even he's led astray. Just like that. There it is. Barnabas, he falls short. Now, you might be thinking, like, oh, man, like, look at all the good he did. Like, is this really that big of a deal? I mean, come on. Like, it, it, what's happening here? We don't know exactly when this story happened. It might have happened before they went to Jerusalem and had that big conversation, or it might have happened after. I think it was before, but here's the point. Barnabas goes, he stands up for the Gentiles, very adamantly so, and probably in the minority, but here he is going back against that idea, which was already present. They had already had to wrestle through this, and they were already eating together, like, yeah, this is what we should do. He betrays them. He betrays the relationship. He goes back against what should be. And we get this, this phrase in James. It's not specifically about Barnabas, but it captures the heart of what's going on here. So James 2.10, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point, 
is guilty of breaking all of it. Barnabas is a lawbreaker. He did not love the way he was supposed to. That's what James is saying. And so what we see here is that Barnabas falls short. But just by a little, right? I mean, look at all this good that he's done. Like, oh, look at this, this great story that he's been built up and one little moment messes it all up, right? Like he screwed up the whole thing. Because right here, James, like, oh, one little bit. That's, that's what's at stake here. I want to go back to our summary of Barnabas. Acts eleven twenty four. He's a good man. He's full of faith. And he's full of the Holy Spirit. This phrase, full of the Holy Spirit, is a particular one in Acts. Luke, the author, he's, he's describing the story. And he highlights a few people along the way. And he gives them this label. Full of the Holy Spirit. Because in the book of Acts, we have several key figures. Some are like Barnabas, they're a little more minor, but some like Peter and Paul, they're essential to the story. But there's another character. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who's moving and acting. He's the one that's doing all of the good work behind the scenes. And he's the one that's making all of this happen. He's the primary character in the book of Acts. Right here, we're told that Barnabas is full of the Holy Spirit. How is that possible? Do you know theologically how that works? I want to go to Romans chapter 5. You can flip there or not, but we'll have this, the words on the screen. Romans chapter 5. Paul is giving a beautiful picture of the gospel. It's very theological, but very deep. But he gives us a few key phrases that I want to jump onto. So this is chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned, verse 12. But then, jump down to verse 19. For just as through diso the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, the many will be made righteous. This one man who introduced sin and death, Adam, we talked about him, we studied him before, he introduced a reality of brokenness, of depravity, of things not going as they should. Disobedience. We all play into that. No matter how good we are, whether we're like Barnabas, man, we get pretty far, but we still fall short. We don't quite make it. We don't measure up. There's nothing that we can do to quite get over that threshold. That is all of us. Except one. One man would show up. He would be that which we could not be. He would be that perfect person. He would cross that threshold. He would make it. He would meet the standard. He would come through, and he would be fully, perfectly righteous. That man then goes to a cross and says, I'm going to trade places with you. No matter how bad you are or how good you are, you don't quite make it, but I'll trade places with you and you get across the finish line. This man, Jesus, shows up and makes a way so that righteousness could come to us. It could be given to us. 
as a gift when we trust him, when we begin following him. And when we do that, we get the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us, takes all that work that Jesus had done and applies it to us, changes our hearts, begins to transform our habits and patterns, changes our character to be like Jesus. This is what the Holy Spirit comes to do. And Barnabas is full of the Holy Spirit. He's full of the Holy Spirit. Luke can give no greater compliment, no greater defining mark than this. He's full of the Holy Spirit because he trusts Jesus. He follows him. That's why he's generous. That's why he's encouraging. That's why he does the call the way that he does. He is faithful because of the Holy Spirit. He's full of the Holy Spirit. This is the defining mark. And so, for you, are you like Barnabas? Is this story about you? Maybe you relate to Barnabas, like, yeah, I'm, I'm like him, like, I kind of did everything right, I was a good kid, you know, I went to church, I still go to church, I'm checking all the boxes, but I fall short too, right? That is not what defines us. Because Barnabas, he was a good guy. He just kind of didn't quite make it right. He didn't get there. He is the same as the person whose story, I don't feel like that at all. My story is one of tragedy and brokenness and mess. Like, I look at Barnabas, I'm like, I don't even know who that is. You are like Barnabas. Because we all fall short. But Jesus made the way and offers the Holy Spirit we now all can be defined the way Luke defines Barnabas, as full of the Holy Spirit. No matter where we come from, whether we we live in this good, like I did everything right kind of life, or we're just on the opposite end of the spectrum, like we mess everything up, it doesn't matter. Because here's the big idea of Barnabas' life. Your goodness does not make you good. God does. God does. No matter how good you are or how bad you are, wherever you fall on this scale, it doesn't matter. It's been flattened because goodness comes from God. That is what made Barnabas ordinary and extraordinary at the same time. God gives his goodness to us. It's by Jesus, what Jesus has done, the threshold crossing that he did not what we do. Barnabas, he's an excellent example. Like, we should want to be like him, yes. But he can't get us there. Jesus can. Jesus does when we trust him. We can have Luke say to us, you, yes, you are a good person. You are full of faith, and you are full of the Holy Spirit. That's what sets you apart. And that is where God's goodness comes to us. So are you like Barnabas? Are you not like Barnabas? It doesn't matter. Because you can be like Barnabas in receiving the goodness that God offers. God is the one who gives goodness. God is the one who's offering you the way forward. Are you resting in that? Are you trusting in this reality? Our goodness, 
doesn't make us good. God does. God does.